And so we continue with the series on the resurrection of the dead, which is the fifth of the foundational doctrines taught to us in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, we're dealing in this particular series on the second coming of Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, the reason that we're dealing with the, the second coming is because the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is directly linked to the first resurrection of the, the saints of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in order for us to um, have a clear understanding and um, be prepared for when our Lord Jesus Christ does return to the earth, we're going through certain key events as um, shown to us in Scripture that must take place prior to the Lord Jesus Christ's return. And uh, we're doing these, uh, looking at these key events as revealed in Scripture in a chronological sequence so that we can see where we are on God's timeline, so to speak, with regards to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously that is all tying into the foundation doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. For there are two resurrections of the dead taught to us in Scripture. The first resurrection takes place when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. The second resurrection is the resurrection of the damned that takes place at the end of the age. And we'll look at all of those uh, those resurrections uh, in more detail as we go through this uh, series on the whole doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. But uh, with regards to the section now dealing with the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the key events that we're looking at, we've looked at the key event of the fourth kingdom, that uh, had to be, it has to be manifested in the earth before our Lord returns. And we've uh, dealt with that, that the fourth kingdom is already in the earth, and that fourth kingdom is the um, religion of Islam. And uh, I'm not going to go back into any detail on that particular teaching today. And then the next key event that we had a look at, which must take place, and we're busy discussing that particular key event today, we'll finish up on that uh, topic today. Um, is the key event called, referred to in Scripture as the falling away. And our text verse for that uh, particular key event we're looking at is in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And Paul writing, he said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. Those two events, as we've said, take place at exactly the same time. When our Lord returns, we are gathered together with Him. We're talking about the resurrection of the saints. He says, we ask you in verse 2, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The man of sin and uh, being revealed, the son of perdition, refers to the Antichrist. And we will uh, have a look at... uh, that key event uh, further on down in this teaching. But the point that uh, is brought to our attention here is that the day of Christ will not come unless the falling away comes first. And so the Holy Spirit calls this particular event the falling away. It is a a substantial event that takes place in the church, and we're looking at that particular event at this point in time. And so we had a look at, uh, uh, starting off on this uh, particular Um, topic. We've had a look at the fact that the ministry gifts are given to the body of Christ um, to bring the body of Christ to maturity so that she doesn't get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, so that she grows up um, into maturity in Christ 
and it is the ministry gift um, job, task really from the Lord, and that is their specific task to teach the body of Christ so that the body of Christ doesn't get uh, deceived in any way. We've also seen that uh, from the time that the church began up until now, there has been many that have fallen away from following Christ um, up until this time. So even though this key event will take place and will be significant in the church's um, history, for want of a better word, um, up until now, right from the time that the church began, people have fallen away from following after Christ. And we had a look at uh, the fact that new believers who never grow in Christ, uh, Lord taught us, they fall away. We've seen in the book of Hebrews that mature believers also uh, can fall away if they are led astray by sin in their lives. Um, and then we've had a look at the fact that there is now an, an event in Scripture called the falling away. And that's what we really are discussing um, at this point in time. And we saw that it is a case that believers will fall away. These are not uh, people who are pretending to be Christians who then no longer pretend anymore and, and thus leave the church. These are people who depart from the faith. Um, and you cannot depart from something that you were never part of. You can't fall away from something that you were never part of in the first place. And so these are Christians who will fall away from following after the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are believers who will um, turn away from following after our Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw that one of the main um, keys and one of the main um, reasons why people will fall away is because they, in this key event that we're, gonna, we're looking at at this point in time, called the falling away. Um, the main key um, reason that this key event takes place is because believers in Christ at the end of the age uh, we saw the scripture says, will no longer endure sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is what is going to be the stumbling block, so to speak, of these believers, because they are going to seek after teachers um, that they will, the Bible talks about the fact that they've got itching ears, and they will heap up teachers for themselves. And so they will seek after teachers that will teach them the nice things to hear. They do not want to hear the whole counsel, the full counsel of God. They only want to hear certain truths taught to them out of the Word of God. And these are the ones who eventually will fall away from following after Christ Jesus our Lord. And we saw that there are um, ministry gifts in the body of Christ who are playing out to this uh, um, desire in the, in the, in the church of, of people wanting to only hear certain truths. And so what happens is uh, there are um, ministers of Satan, obviously. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that Satan can himself transform himself into an angel of light, and therefore it's no great thing if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Um, talking about real uh, de de deceiving um, people out there who actually pretend to be ministers of Christ, but in actual fact they're not. They're ministers of Satan. But they're putting out a gospel that will deceive um, people and take, draw them aside from following after Christ. But at the same time, there are also ministry gifts out there who are called of God to preach the gospel, but choose not to preach the full counsel of God because of it not being a very popular gospel. The full counsel of God is not a popular gospel. Um, it's not 
uh, a pleasant thing to have to eat your vegetables when ice cream is available. And so people prefer to just eat the ice cream and leave the vegetables alone. And so what happens is you get ministry gifts that look at that and say, okay, well, if I put up a plate of vegetables today, uh, that's going to affect my offerings. And so I'm, I'm just going to stick with the ice cream because the ice cream is what's going to help my bank balance. And so they then in turn become complicit uh, with this because they are now catering to those who have itching ears and who are heaping up teachers for themselves. Um, so they also get caught up in this, this whole thing. But it's all geared around avoiding sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the cornerstone in the end age um, for the church. She needs to be taught sound doctrine consistently uh, because if she doesn't get taught sound doctrine, she becomes vulnerable to the deceiving spirits out there and the doctrines of demons that are out there. Let me illustrate um, this point pretty uh, graphically as to where we are on this timeline because we're talking about key events that must take place before our Lord Jesus Christ returns. We've looked at the the fourth kingdom is already in the earth today. It's already waiting for the ten kings to be made manifest. Um, So, you know, it's pretty far down the timeline. Uh, With regards to the falling away, how far are we to this event called the falling away? Because it will be a substantial event. It will be an event that the whole church will know has happened. Um, For the whole church will realize there's a a lot of believers who no longer are following after Christ. They've gone their own way. And so how close are we to that event taking place in the church? Well, let me, as I said, give you a bit of an, an illustration to show you just how far down the line we really are. I was at a a businessman's breakfast uh, a little while ago, and I was led of the Lord to speak along this line. And uh, one of my brothers in the Lord, um, in that meeting, I knew he's an elder in his church, and I knew that his church was looking for a pastor. They they had the vacancy uh, for their church for a pastor, and they had been interviewing uh, pastors to come on board and to take over the church and, and shepherd the church. And so I, knowing that, I decided to now, in front of everybody, because I, would, I was obviously speaking at the time, um, I wanted to now make the point. And so what I said to him, I said to my brother, I said, are you guys still looking for a pastor for your church? And he's, you know, he answered, yes, they were. So I said, um, when, I, when you guys interview, because obviously their the board of, of elders were the ones that were um, they interviewed pastors for uh being able to fill this particular role in their church. I said, when you guys are interviewing pastors for the role of becoming pastor in your church, do you examine their core beliefs? Do you ask them to um, let you know what it is that they really believe? And he said, yes, no, that's uh, something they definitely look at. They want to know what those pastors believe when they are applying to become the shepherd of of the local flock. So I said, okay, well, I would like to now apply for, hypothetically, obviously I was talking, because this conversation was going backwards and forwards between myself and my brother and the Lord um, amongst, in front of everybody. Um, and obviously I was setting everybody up because I wanted to uh, show this, this truth to them. And so I said, well, hypothetically now what I'd like to do is apply to you for this job of being pastor in your church 
and I would like to um, make known to you my just three of my core beliefs. These are these are my statements of faith, so to speak. And what I'd like you to do is assess my these statements of faith. Just three I'm going to give you um, that I'm going to make, and based on that, I need you now give, to give me an answer as to whether my application will be um, accepted to be to be put forward or not. And so, you know, he said, okay, he played along with me. He, he had no idea what I was, I was doing. This was, I, I was doing it on the spur of the moment, so to speak. So he said, yes, you can go ahead and, and, and let me know. So I said, okay, well, firstly, I, I said my first core belief that if I'm going to be the pastor of your church, I will never preach that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone because I don't believe that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. That's my, one of my core beliefs. I'm not going to ever preach that from the pulpit. Um, and then I said, now secondly, um, if I become the pastor of your church, I will never mention from the pulpit the devil, hell, or sin. And I will, I will admonish the congregation to also never ever mention the devil, hell, or sin. That is not to be part of um, the church that I pastor. And then I said, and then my, a third core belief that I hold is that I just want to let you know up front that I believe that uh, Mormons are Christians because they do believe in Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, now that you've heard these uh, three core beliefs that I hold, what's your answer to me? And will my position, will my application be acceptable? Yes or no? And he obviously loudly pronounced, no way, you, <laughs> we're not even going to touch you with a barge pole. And uh, everybody in the audience was saying exactly the same thing. You know, you know, who on earth is going to employ a chap to be the pastor of a church who has those kind of core beliefs? And uh, it was pretty much unanimous around the crowd as to that uh, that is certainly not on. And then I, let, I told everybody, I said, okay, well, now I need you guys to know how far down the line we are with regards to the falling away coming into the church because of a strange doctrine being taught to the church. And I said, those core beliefs are, being, are held by the pastor, the existing pastor, of the largest church in the United States of America. And that's public knowledge, and you can go online, you can have a look at that person's core beliefs, and it's there, it's out there for everybody to see. And so the pastor of the largest church, charismatic church in the United States of America, has core beliefs that um, most people would be shocked to, to say, how can you even think of applying to be a pastor of a church with those beliefs? And yet this person is running the largest church in the United States of America today. And so it's very uh, clear to us that the church is very far down the line uh, when we get to the point of is the church uh, getting towards sound doctrine or is she starting to move away from sound doctrine? Uh, the church is most definitely starting to move away from sound doctrine. Not all churches, but I'm, I'm pointing, pointing out the fact that the falling away is a big event and it will take place to the degree that everybody in the church will recognize it. And if you have... Uh, the pastor of the largest church uh, in the United States of America um, espousing these core beliefs, uh, then you know that the, the, you know, the church is, is not getting the, 
the full counsel of God that she needs to get because she's getting some um, people who are teaching her on, a, on a, a, a weekly basis and are not feeding her with something that uh, God is very well pleased with. And so that's just one illustration I wanted to put across. And then we have false prophets that are out in the body of Christ at the moment. Now, there's been false prophets all the way through. But what is coming to the fore uh, lately is that the false prophets and the false teachers in the church are uh, having a, a, a greater and a greater following in the church. And um, they're having a, a greater impact on, on the church at large and that is where the well that is where we're just kind of heading to this uh, key event where the falling away will take place now a false prophet is one who, who claims to have had visions and revelations from the Lord and uh, visions and revelations the Bible talks about the fact that we are to test prophecies and if we're to test prophecies, we're also to test visions. So when any uh, body, a prophet is one who has visions. That, that, that's, the scripture, that's the scriptural background of what a prophet is. A prophet is one who has visions and revelations of the Lord. By and large, that's their uh, resume, so to speak. Um, and so uh, we are called by the Lord to, to test prophecy. We're also meant to test visions. So when, when um, um, anybody comes along and says, the Lord's given me this vision, I was taken up into heaven for argument's sake, and this is what I have seen, and this is what God has shown me, and this is what I'm telling you now because God has shown this to me. Um, well, we take what that person says, and we measure it against, because what do we measure prophecy against? We measure prophecy against the written word of God, because it is the written word of God that is our benchmark. Um, if we didn't have the written word of God, we would be in a lot of trouble because anybody from anywhere down the line can come out and say, well, I saw this and I saw that and I've heard this and I've heard that. And the church would be in a complete disarray because she wouldn't know what to believe. So God has in his wisdom given to us his written word. And we benchmark all of the spiritual aspects that are taking place in the church against the written word. Because whatever takes place in the spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit does um, through the church or in the church, will always be in line with the written word of God. It will never be contrary to the written word of God. Now, there will be some things that uh, will be uh, said in the spirit realm and are seen in the spirit realm, which will not really be in the written word of God, but it will not be contrary to the written word of God. Uh, I hope you understand the, the difference. I don't want to go down a full teaching along that line today. But the point is, is that the, the written word of God, the Bible, and especially the New Covenant Testament, the New Testament, um, and especially the epistles of the New Testament from the book of Acts onward, because um, pretty much from the book of Acts onwards, uh, that's the church. Uh, before that time, our Lord was also ministering on the earth. He was ministering to the church, but he was also ministering to Israel. And before that time, the Old Covenant was ministering mainly to Israel. The whole Bible lives for us, I understand that. But uh, we look at the epistles by and large to get revelation of the church age because we're living in the church age. And so we benchmark all visions against the written word of God. And there are two men in the, in, in the, the body of Christ currently who have a, a, quite a, a high degree of prominence in the, in, the, in the body of Christ in that just on the social networks alone, these two individuals have a following of over one million Christians. 
Now that's just the social networks. Um, across more, it obviously extrapolates itself out. Um, and these two are espousing visions that they've had from the Lord. And when those visions are tested against the written word of God, they come up horribly short. They, 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 they fail on every, every, nearly every comment that comes out of their mouths. Um, and so they don't line up with the word of God at all. In fact, they are completely contrary to the written word of God. And yet they had the, the, this huge following within the body of Christ. These are believers. These are Christians. I know of Christians who follow these uh, uh, two particular false prophets um, and have, you know, are, are pretty much sold out on, on, on what these guys say, even though when you try and show them, but wait a minute, what they say is actually not in the Bible or is actually against what the Bible teaches us. They, they tend to, okay, well, let's just ignore that. So there's almost like a blindness that has come across, upon them. Yet I do know these people I love the Lord. They're born again, filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and yet are still taken into uh, following after these two gentlemen. It's across the board. Over a million just on the social networks. And so um, it is so important for us uh, as we get into the end days for the church, for the, the, the ministry gifts to be teaching sound doctrine to the church. Because what I found is that once the person bites on that um, poisonous apple, for want of a... You must understand, Satan never just puts a lie out to the church and says, I want you to believe the lie. Because the church recognizes the lie and said, no way, we're not going to believe that. What Satan does is he hides the poison inside the apple. He hides it inside the meat and he, he feeds the church with um, truth but the, the, the lie is in there the lie is hidden inside and so once I swallowed it the, the, it, it kind of does take hold on the person because they, it becomes that much harder to show the person through the written word of God but wait a minute what this person that who you're listening to he, he, that teaching that they're giving you is actually false it's not right and it, it takes so much harder to, to break through and to, um, because Paul talks about the fact that they've been taken captive by Satan to do his will. And so it becomes harder to, to break that. Um, it's far easier to keep the poison away. Translated means if the church has been taught sound doctrine, the moment she hears anything that is going to be contrary to sound doctrine, she's going to block it. She's going to re reject and say, no, that's not God. I'm not going to be partaking of that. But because the church has not been taught sound doctrine as much as she should be, um, you get even um, people who are born again, filled with the Spirit, um, who love the Lord, have been serving the Lord for a while, uh, being caught up with this weird stuff that's out there. And so, yeah, we've got uh, some, and it's not just these two gentlemen who are false prophets in the church at the moment. Uh, there's more, um, but I'm just highlighting some uh, key personalities in, in the church. And if I mentioned their names, everybody would recognize them and um, would know who I'm talking about. But I, I don't want to go down that road. And so that's what the false prophets do. And so what we do is we test their, their visions and we test their uh, prophetic utterance against the written word of God. And uh, if it measures up, then it's great. Because it really, there, are good, there are true prophets out there. There are men of God who have had visions from the Lord. And uh, God has given them tremendous revelation and it has been a blessing to the body of Christ. But it is always 
lined up with God's written word. And that is legit and that's right and that's good and we need more of that. But the false stuff we don't need. And as I say, it's so easy to identify the false stuff because you just measure it against the written word of God and um, that's exactly what you can get away with. You, you can prevent it from, from, from affecting you. The false teachers are the ones who put out uh, false doctrine. Um, now, what they do when they put out false doctrine is they pick a certain truth in God's word and they punt that truth. And they punt that truth to the um, by leaving out everything else. And everything else that's contrary to that particular truth that they are preaching and teaching the body of Christ, they find a way to actually reject it. And they find a way to actually say, okay, well, that's not for the church today. Um, I've heard uh, certain ministers who are punting uh, a, a certain truth um, grace for argument's sake, say that you know the, the the teaching that the Lord Jesus gave when he was on the ser the Sermon on the Mount that everybody refers to um, in Matthew's Gospel, that's not for the church. That was for the Jews. That's uh, that's not for the church. And because if they have to bring that teaching, bring it to account, then they've got a problem because that teaching contras their teaching. And so the the way they overcome it is they say, okay, well it's not for us. That's not for the church. And I've heard guys say, okay, the new covenant came in when Jesus died. So anything before Jesus' death, because it's the New Testament, and the Testament only kicks in when somebody dies, anything before the, the death of the Lord is not for the church, only anything after the Lord's resurrection is for the church. Um, and so that's how they get around the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ himself, him, whatever he says. And they, they go, okay, whatever the Lord said, that's irrelevant because I'm in the church now. So Jesus wasn't talking to the church. Jesus was talking to the Jews. And that's one of the ways that, they, that these people, the false teachers, get around uh, producing false doctrine to the body of Christ. They cut it out. Or they just don't ever acknowledge it. So um, they would never acknowledge that God chastises. Uh, when our Lord said, for those whom I love, I also chasten. Um, that's not part of uh, their teaching at all. They, it's just ignored. It's never, ever mentioned. Because why? Because it clashes with the teaching that they put in across to the body of Christ. And so they are not giving the, the church the full picture. They, they only give the church a certain... Um, aspect of the gospel they do not give the church the full counsel of god and so that's what a false teacher does he will concentrate on something that's popular and he will push that uh, popular teaching to the absolute extreme and they will do that uh, to the point of as i say either ignoring certain scriptures in the word of god because it just doesn't tie in with their with their doctrine or um, trying to find a way to say, well, that doesn't actually, God's not, that's not part of the, the, the church age anymore, and so we don't listen to that anymore. That was for um, the Jews for argument's sake. Now, when it comes to false teachers, we have, it's a, it's a more serious aspect. The false prophets are not yet as, as prominent because, as I said, I mentioned just two who have a, a social network following of a million in the church, and that's, that's believers. They, you know, there's obviously going to be a, a lot of unbelievers that in, maybe included in there, but that's by far the majority of, of Christians, 
people who love God and serve God but are completely taken in by what these false uh, prophets are, are teaching um, through their false visions, that is. But then the false teachers, they have a, a greater impact on the church at the moment because, um, again, if you take two prominent false teachers in the church today, their combined following is over 19 million believers worldwide. And so you add the, just those four gentlemen now that I've, I've, I've highlighted, the two false prophets and the two false teachers. And when, when I say false teachers, I mean, these guys, are, yeah, they, they, must probably, they do love the Lord. Um, but, well, I question that, you know, I, because, I mean, you can't, because they knowingly are deceiving the body of Christ. They knowingly are not teaching the full counsel of God because they do not want to do that. Um, so, you know, but let's just say that they, of the, the two false prophets I know, I know the one is definitely not a, 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 a Christian. Um, the other one was probably, has, I, I, I'm not going to speculate. The point is that between these four gentlemen that I have just kind of hinted at as to who they are in the body of Christ, they have a, a following on the social networks alone, don't forget this is only the social networks, of over 20 million believers worldwide. Now, that's a huge following. And they espouse, when you go and put their teachings against the written word of God, you, it comes up false, 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 false. It screams falseness. Um, and yet, they have a huge following in the church. The church is at such a vulnerable age at the moment. She is, we're entering into that place where... It's, uh, the church has been set up for the falling away. Um, look, it has to happen. God has declared it. He said the falling away must come first. And so God knows, the Lord knows those who are his. Um, Paul says that very clearly. He says that's one of the, that's a sure foundation in the word of God, that the Lord knows those who are his. Um, but also, I, you know, it's not the Lord's will that any should perish. And so it's certainly not the Lord's will that... Uh, his children should be misled in this uh, in this manner, and thus uh, fall away. Now, one of the things that happens, another benchmark, the written word of God is the benchmark, without a doubt. You, whatever any minister of God teaches you, you bounce, you 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 benchmark that teaching against. God's written word. If it doesn't line up, it's not of God. Simple as that. It could be error. Look, the Bible talks about there's error and there's deception. So there is deception. These are people who are, they knowingly are deceiving the body of Christ. They know what is right and what is wrong. And they're giving the, 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 the wrong stuff to the church because they want to deceive her. But then there's error. There are people who teach what, from their heart what they, they see in the gospel and that's what they know and that's what they preach and so they preach that. Um, and so, but they just got it wrong. And so that does happen. But by and large, I'm talking about the false teachers who knowingly are, um, you know, they've been, because these guys are the ones that I'm talking about, have risen to prominence in the church. And so they're not baby Christians. They're not sitting in a, a little church somewhere and espousing these false doctrines. These are guys, as I said, have a following of over 20 million believers worldwide. And so they have powerful ministries that impact the body of Christ. And they know what they are teaching, and they know that they are teaching falsely. Um, and so, those are the ones I'm really talking about today. I'm not talking about the guy who's out there who's you know doing his best and getting some things right and getting some things wrong. 
Um, but I'm talking about these uh, guys who are really in the, uh, have been have risen to prominence in the body of Christ and are knowingly teaching the body of Christ incorrectly. So what you do is you bounce when you bounce it, you you benchmark their teaching. Whoever I'm talking about the, the these prominent teachers in the body of Christ, whoever you benchmark it against the written word of God. The second way you benchmark it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things that the Lord, the, one of the first casualties that uh, um, takes place in somebody's, in, some, in a ministry where they are no longer walking in the full truth and full counsel of God and that they are now starting to mislead the body of Christ. One of the first things that, that happens is that the, the anointing is lifted from them. Um, they no longer are teaching with the, the anointing they used to have and also the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit the, the um, power of God is no longer made manifest through their ministry if it ever was a lot of them there, there was never the power of God displayed those are the ones who really are false but uh, in all of them you will find that there is no power of God being displayed through their ministries it is all man's wisdom and it is all uh, out there to make the flesh feel good and um, there's the Holy Spirit's absent he's not there now these four that I've mentioned there's no power of God in their, in their ministries at all um, is pure charis uh, you know, charisma um, personality and deception but there's no power of God being made manifest through their, those ministries that I've mentioned and by and large that is a benchmark that you can look at if, if the power of God is not present, well, then God's not there. Now, that doesn't mean because the power of God is present that the doctrine that's taught is correct. Um, there, there are also instances in the past where there have been men who've been powerfully used of the Lord, and really the gifts of the Spirit be made manifest through them. But their doctrine is weird stuff. Um, and so God eventually had to judge those individuals and God eventually had to uh, withdraw his, his well, most, most of them died early deaths. The Lord took them home early um, because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So God judges in that manner as well. But in these particular cases, what you're seeing today in the church is you're seeing these men are, are, are espousing false doctrine um, and have a huge following but have no power. There's no anointing from the Holy Spirit from the point of view of the miraculous taking place in their meetings. But as I say, uh, there has been the other side of the coin where the Lord has been has anointed people um, to, uh, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, great miracles taking place, but their doctrine has been weird to say the least. And so uh, let's have a look at a couple more scriptures along this line. Um, Matthew 24, verses 9 through to 12. Our Lord speaking about the end times, and he says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And so our Lord is very clearly telling us that, you know, there's going to be a lot of false prophets at the end of the age. They're going to rise up and they're going to deceive a lot of people. Um, and the love of many will grow cold because lawlessness will, will abound. And that's why I said uh, a lot of the guys that are out there preaching the good news from the point of view that there's ice cream all the time, 
and there's no vegetables involved in your diet. And that's a very crude analogy, but that's it, uh, as close as I can get it from now. Um, they're setting up the believers who follow them for the fall because uh, the, the things are going to get worse. Yet lawlessness will abound. Our Lord said lawless, lawlessness will abound towards the end of the age. And, he, and our Lord said because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He's not talking about in the world that pe people in the world will lose out. They will start loving less. Uh, the world doesn't know how to love. The Lord's talking about the love of many. When he, he mentioned the love of many, he's talking about his, his, his children. Uh, their love will grow cold. And the reason their love will grow cold is because they're going to say to yourself, well, wait a minute, things were supposed to start getting better for me, and, I, and, and the world was supposed to become a better place for me, and it's actually getting worse. So, you know, if I believe that, and this is what's happening, why should I continue to believe the other part, which is, you know, that I'm a child of God? and their love will grow cold and they'll uh, walk away from following after the Lord. Let's have a look at another scripture that um, just uh, again talks about the end times and the deception that will take place in the church and how the falling away event will occur in the church, which is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Uh, Paul writing, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And so the last days is not going to be in the last days. Happy times will come. I know there's a, 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 a and it's actually espoused by the one false prophet I, I mentioned. There's this doctrine that's coming out into the church. That the church is going to take over the world. That the church is going to take over the governments and take over the entertainment industry and take over the businesses. And we're going to set up the kingdom for the Lord and he's going to come back. And we're going to say, Lord, here we go. We've got it all ready for you. You can now come back. And that is so far from the truth because in the last days, perilous times will come. Lawlessness will abound. And so that doctrine is really the one that says that we, the church is going to take over everything and then welcome the Lord back. That is one of the doctrines that is setting up the believer for a huge fall because when that doesn't come to pass and they've been believing that and they only see lawlessness abounding and they see only perilous uh, times uh, around them, then they're going to say to themselves, wait a minute, if I've been believing this and it hasn't happened, why should I believe the rest of it? And the falling away is there because they've been set up by these wrong false doctrines. And they, the reason that they've been set up by the false doctrines is because the church is not enduring sound doctrine. Church has to endure sound doctrine. She must um, partake of the whole counsel of God. Because if she doesn't, she's setting herself, in this age specifically, she's setting herself up for a fall. Um, this is the generation, uh, without a doubt. This, as we go through these key events, you'll see it. This is the generation that will witness the falling away that will take place in the church. Um, remember I, I said in the previous teaching that um, all of the churches in Asia turned away from Paul towards the end of his ministry. Now, if you go look at Paul's ministry and, his, and the timeline in that, between when he planted those churches and he wrote that letter where they all turned away from him, it was roughly a 15-year uh, lapse of time that occurred. So it took the churches in Asia roughly 15 years to fall away from Paul, um, that they would not follow his teachings anymore. They would no longer endure sound doctrine. And so 
the church is heading into the age, and with, within 15 years, we will see this falling away event occurring in the church because she's been set up for the falling away to take place. Um, because, as I said, I've just ma mentioned four, and there's, there are many others. There's not just those four men out there. There are many others. But just those four men have a following of 20 million in the church. Um, so yes, the church is being set up for the falling away to occur. And it's going to be a huge event. It will be something that every Christian will sit up and take note of. Um, it's going to come to a time when each one of us will know of believers that used to be brothers and sisters in Christ who no longer follow after Christ. We all know that because we will see it actually happen in our lifetime. Um, And so we've seen that there is, since the beginning of the church age up until now, there's been a falling away that's been occurring all the time, but there will be an acceleration of the falling away that will occur um, before our Lord returns. And let's have a look at that at the scripture. I started reading it, I didn't, I didn't finish it, and let's carry on reading that particular scripture, which is in 2 Timothy 3, being in verse 1. and says, So, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For, and now he tells us, what those perilous times are going to be. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. It's a very important point he makes there. And from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who keep creeping to households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, now, just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs also was. And so Paul gives us, well, the Holy Spirit through Paul, gives us a bit of insight, uh, quite a profound insight, as to this, uh, how the falling away is going to take place and what is going to be the cause of it. He talks about these uh, men who are lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud. And he lists a whole uh, lot of things. And when you look at that list, because it's, a, it's a quite a long list and there's nothing good about it. Um, you think to yourself, okay, well, he's talking about people in the world. He's talking about unbelievers here. Um, because, you know, the, the picture is about unbelievers, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. You know, that's unbelievers. But... Look what he says here in verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's not the world. The world has, doesn't have a form of godliness. The world is out there to commit as much sin as you can. I mean, that's, that's what the world does. And unbelievers are, are quite proud of it. That, you know, uh, they brag about uh, the amount of sin that they can, they, they can commit. Um, they brag about their weekends that they've had and all that and that kind of stuff. So they're not uh, trying to be godly, and, but denying the power of God. And then look what he says about them. He says, and from such people turn away. 
Now, the Lord never tells us to turn away from the world. The Lord sends us into the world to go and save the world. Our job is to go and preach the gospel to every creature that they may come into the kingdom of God. We don't turn away from the world. That's not what the Lord teaches us at all. But he tells us to turn away from these people. So who are these people that he's telling us to turn away from? The ones who, are, who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. The ones who are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, pride. And so these are the false teachers he's talking about. Because he did, uh, brings it out, he says, um, uh, just as Janus and, and Jambres resisted Moses. Now the scripture, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one for people to look at because Janus and Jambres are not mentioned in the Bible at all, except when Paul brings it out here. Um, and so everybody said, well, who is Janus and Jambres? I, you know, Nobody knows who they are. And it's it thought, okay, well, they might have been uh, part of uh, Pharaoh's magicians. But that's not the case at all. Because he, he goes on to say they resisted Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds dis disapprove concerning the faith. Um, and so these are guys that are, are trying to resist the truth of God's word from being preached. And Jonas and Jambres must have been in, the, in amongst the crowd of, of um, I think it was Korah is the guy's name. Uh, he led a whole revolt against Moses. Moses had more than one revolt led against him while they were in the wilderness. There was more than one group of Jews who tried to uh, take Moses out of the way so that they could uh, have their say. Um, and these two gentlemen obviously fell into that category in that they came and they said to you know, we don't need to follow you, Moses, we got our own, we're resisting what Moses is saying, come follow us. And uh, you know, God most probably dealt with those guys as he did with Korah and his crowd. <clears throat> but under the new covenant, we have these people who are resisting the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. And so these are men who are espousing a gospel, but not the gospel. And look at uh, the, the, the qualities that they really come across with right up front. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. And so you see a lot of it in the, in the church today, a lot of the, the, the erroneous doctrine that's been taught out there is that it's all about me. And I'm not talking about the, the preacher saying it's all about him. I'm saying the preacher's teaching the body of Christ. It's all about you. Um, what, how much you can get and how much you can be blessed. And it's not about serving God. It's not about being humble. It's not about uh, seeking after the will of the Father and doing what God has called you to do uh, and laying up treasures for eternity. It's all about what can I get for myself now and how can I make my life great now. Don't tell me about how I must go help others. Tell me how to help myself. And that's what it's all about, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Tell me how I can make money. Tell me how I can be blessed financially. Then I'm going to come and listen to you because that's what I'm interested in. Tell me how I can make my, my family uh, do well, that you know, everybody gets uh, great houses and great jobs and great everything. Tell me all of the good stuff. Then I'm going to come and listen to you. And that's what the false teachers are putting out there because they know that that's what is what caters to the flesh and these men will do that these men will put it put that out there and so they'll have a form of godliness you know they'll they look righteous on the outside but they're whitewash walls because on the inside there's just dead men's bones 
but they'll espouse all the stuff that will attract um, the carnal believers, will attract the baby believers who are looking to satisfy the lusts of the flesh. And that's what these guys do. And it's all about money too, don't forget, because they're also lovers of money. They're also lovers of themselves. I'm talking about the preachers now who are doing this. Um, and so they're after money, and they just want to get them, you know, have a good life for themselves as well. Eternity means nothing to them. Serving God means nothing. They say it, but they don't mean it, and they don't do it. Um, and there's no power, because they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And so Paul, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, counsels us as believers from such people to turn away. Do not go anywhere near them because they will corrupt uh, the believer who, who starts to listen to them. And, and that's where we need to stay away because um, it, is, it is such dangerous ground. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so you cannot play around with this kind of stuff. As I said to you, I've, I know of believers who love the Lord, have served the Lord for many years, um, who are full of the Holy Spirit, speak with other tongues, but have just been taken in by these, uh, certain of these false prophets and false teachers. And, you know, there's nothing, you, not nothing you can do. Obviously, we pray and we witness to the people. But that, that, that stronghold is there. Satan has got that stronghold on them. And... Uh, it's so hard to break that stronghold. And so the, the, the best way to do it is to stay away from it. Remember when our Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, he came to the disciples and he was praying and he comes to them, they, fall in, they had fallen asleep. And what is, one of the comments the Lord makes, he says, pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you know, God's first prize is to stay away from temptation. Don't get caught up and then have to try and get out of it. Rather, just don't get into it. And so, you know, that's why we pray that we will not enter into temptation and we should stay away from these things. And the, the counsel of the Holy Spirit to us uh, as the church is from these kind of people, we must turn away. We must not pay heed to them. Now you hear the, the, the comments that get made. Oh, but yeah, okay. I know that that, which, that part of what they teach is wrong. Okay, but the rest of it's fine. So why can't I just listen to the rest of it and just ignore that part? Well, you know, that part is contaminating this part, and, and God's not mocked. And so don't forget, you you kind of are supporting that ministry because by listening to that particular ministry, even though you know that part of it is not the fact that the guys make make he's got his doctrine a bit wrong because he's just you know he, he doesn't know any better. This guy's actually been deceiving to the church. He knows he's deceiving the church. And if you know he's deceiving the church in that portion of his teaching, and you know that that's deception, okay? Now you're going to go listen to the rest of it because you know the rest of it's fine, but that's deception, but I won't listen to it. But what happens is that because you're listening to that particular um, uh, false teacher or, or false prophet, uh, the baby Christian sitting next to you, he says, well, wait a minute, if that guy can listen to him, then I can as well. Now, he doesn't have that kind of uh, uh, discernment that he knows that there's part of it that's actually quite a poisonous stuff that this guy's putting out. And so he swallows everything, hook, line, and sinker. He takes it in. And God's not pleased with you because now you just misled your brother. You caused your brother to stumble. But not only that, you, you, in a way, you're supporting that ministry. 
And God's not pleased with that. And so that's not the counsel of God at all. The counsel of God is you, you turn away from guys like that. You do not give them any of your time um, because they're not of God and they're doing damage to the body of Christ. And for you to go and entertain any part of their ministry um, is uh, an affront to the Lord. And you are certainly, we will all give an account to ourselves, of our, um, to our Lord, of our, our conduct on this earth. And, uh, you know, you really don't want to have to answer to the Lord on that particular issue. So don't do it. You know, if you know that there's, there's uh, we're teaching that the guy is giving, stay away from it. Pastors need to be so um, careful. They should be careful because, you know, it's, a, it's a, an awesome thing that the Lord has given to ministry gifts that he has allowed the ministry gifts to shepherd his sheep. Remember our Lord said to Peter, you know, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my lambs. Um, they're his, but he's allowed ministry gifts to, do, to look after them. And so it is, it is such a responsibility that the ministry gifts have the pastors of, this, of, of, the, of the church to make sure that their flock are not exposed to the weird stuff out there and to, to ex- expose the weird stuff. For light exposes darkness. And so, you know, don't encourage it. and Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's not there and let your flock suffer. Um, you need to be vigilant in making sure that your church is not exposed to the strange stuff. Because as I mentioned, I, I've seen whole churches, not big churches obviously, but whole churches follow after a false a prophet because the pastor was taken in and followed after that. And so, you know, that, they, that's, that's a whole flock. All love the Lord, but now are going to be fed all of this weird stuff and um, a lot of damage is going to be done. And a lot of questions are going to be asked on that day by our Lord and Master. So I'm going to close off today's teaching by giving you another dream that the Lord gave me in 2014. The Lord gives me uh, prophetic dreams. And so I go through seasons of dreams. Sometimes I have dreams quite uh, frequently and then I go through a whole period where I get nothing from the Lord. But anyway, in 2014, it was a season for dreams for me. And the Lord gave me this one particular dream which was prophetic of this event called the falling away. And so the way that the, the dream went down is that I was in an auditorium and I was listening to a prophet of the Lord who was teaching the gospel. Now, I don't know who the prophet of the Lord was. It was just a gentleman up there on the platform teaching. But while I was in the audience listening to this uh, teaching, behind me and to the left of me were two gentlemen sitting. And they were whispering to each other continuously, all the time, all the time. Um, but they were whispering at a level that the, the preacher on the, on the platform, because we weren't sitting very far back from the platform, that the preacher on the platform could kind of hear it and see it. And you could see it was a distraction to him because he would every now and then glance over at these two guys. They never stopped. They whispered to each other all the time while this guy was preaching. And it was a distraction to him. Eventually, what happened is that the, the prophet of God stopped preaching and he pointed to these two gentlemen behind me and he said, will you share with the rest of the body of Christ what it is that you are whispering about? And they refused. They said, you know, they're just not going to do it. And then the, the, the prophet said to them, because you're not whispering against me, you're actually whispering against God. When he said that, these two guys got up 
and they were so angry they stormed out of the auditorium. Now when they got up and stormed out of the auditorium, a whole lot of other people all around the auditorium also got up, got angry, and started storming out of the auditorium. And the prophet said to them, he said, you guys do not have to go, but it is your choice. If you want to go, you can go. But let it be known that you are rejecting the word of God by leaving now. And they went up and they left. And that, that's where the dream ended for me. I, I didn't see anything after that. But it was very clear to me that that dream spoke to me of the end times, this event called the falling away. Because the two guys behind me that were whispering all the time while the prophet of God was preaching the word of God, they were the ones who were trying to uh, distort the word of God. They were the ones who were trying to um, uh, prevent the word of God from being uh, proclaimed. When the prophet of God con confronted them, they were exposed for the very first time. And they stood up and they got up and they walked out because they couldn't take the, the exposure. But what happened is they, were, they had followers who got up and followed after them and also left. And they were admonished by the Lord, you don't have to go. You know, if you, you, it's your choice, but you don't have to go. But they left anyway. And so they kind of just put it across to me so clearly that that is a, a, a picture of the end times. That what is going to happen is that these men who are espousing the false doctrine out there are going to be exposed because more and more men of God who are teaching the gospel, the full counsel of God, are going to hold them to account and going to say, wait a minute, what you are saying is not right and you cannot teach that to the body of Christ. When they are exposed, obviously there's going to be the, the, the split that will take place. They will get up, they will leave the body of Christ and the sad part about it is a lot of their followers will follow after them and leave the body of Christ and the falling away will occur in that manner but the falling away will occur in the other manner as well in that people will just stop following the Lord because they followed after this weird teaching the weird teaching hasn't come to pass so they're going to say to themselves you know why should I believe the rest of it as well and so they will end up falling away from following after Christ Jesus our Lord and so that's where we are on the timeline with regards to the falling away at this particular point in time the church has not yet hasn't been a, um, let me get my word in right she has been exposed to the most false doctrine she's ever been exposed to um, men who preach false doctrine in the church have, a, have risen up to uh, very prominent positions in the body of Christ uh, have huge followings after them and that she is ripe for the falling away to occur. Um, it's a very sad event that's going to take place in the, in the body of Christ, but it's an event that's going to happen nevertheless. God has prophesied that it will happen, and whatever God says will happen, will happen, because God sees the end from the beginning. And so he knows what's going to happen. And he's warned us. He's told us, guys, watch and be ready. Don't get taken up with these kind of things. And one of the things that we need to... As Christians, we need to really make sure that we're exposing ourselves to the full counsel of God and that we're not going after ice cream all the time because if you do, uh, you're vulnerable completely. And I'm going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.